Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they bought a little short chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your host, Ben and Dave. Welcome back to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And I am your host, Ben. My other host, uh, Dave, is not with us today, uh, but he'll be back on our next episode that we have upcoming. And uh, But this episode is going to be kind of neat as uh, it's a little bit different. We're doing it via Skype with our friends from the north in Canada. And uh, I want our guests to introduce themselves so that way you can get to know them. So without further ado, our guests from the north in Canada from Victoria, please introduce yourself, sir. Hey, how you doing, Ben? It's Jim Swanson here. I'm the managing partner and general manager of your Victoria Harbor Cats, the West Coast Baseball League. Great. Uh, well, this continues um, our actual series. Uh, we're going to be doing a series over the this summer uh, that we've already started. We've already had the uh, Port, uh, Portland Pickles on, Corvallis Knights, and Ridgefield Raptors. Now, this is our episode uh, with Victoria Harbor Cats of the uh, West Coast League. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Really been looking forward to getting you on, talking more about the Harbor Cats, uh, hearing more about what what it is that you have, uh, what you've got going on right now, what the history was like, a little bit about yourself. Um, so without further ado, Jim, i um, going to turn it over to you a little bit about, uh, start this off, um, tell us a little bit about your history, like what it is about baseball, what got you into baseball yourself? Well, I'm an old guy. Uh... I just turned 50, so I, I back in the day and welcome to typical Canadiana. In the winter, I'd play uh, play hockey, and in the summer, I played baseball. I got to a decent level in hockey, and there really weren't opportunities for collegiate uh, players much at my vintage uh, from Canada to go down to the states. My son is a, a freshman at San Diego Christian in NAIA right now, and I'm I'm very jealous of the opportunity he gets, uh, uh, but I'm very proud and very happy for what he's be able to do and. So I, I've I've lived um, in I've been a Canadian uh, well I've been a Canadian since I was born I lived in North Dakota for a little over a year I was the general manager of the Grand Forks Varmints of the Prairie League an independent league of professional baseball uh, back ninety six ninety seven I was the commissioner of that league in nineteen ninety six and uh, moved into the GM role I, I, as a commissioner it wasn't much fun you don't get to cheer for a team. Um, I found myself going to parks and cheering for the home team because I thought that was the right thing to do. But uh, I got a chance to get back into the, uh, you know, a team seat. I'm a competitive guy, and I, I like to, um, you know, I, I like to beat my kids at checkers. So um, it's, you know, I, I I got the opportunity to take over the uh, Harbor Cats in late 2013, and uh, I've been the general manager or managing partner ever since. Um, you know, gave up the title of general manager for a couple of years, but I've uh, uh, been very pleased to be able to uh, to kind of be at the top of the operational chain and and, uh, and the, 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 the fun, the planning, the creativity, all those things that, that get us up every morning and get us enjoying working around baseball, especially the West Coast League level. Not a lot of rules, not a lot of things that tell us what we can do and what we can't do. So uh, it, it's pretty freeing. It's scary at times in, in, in a way because you, you, you don't want to go off the rails at the same time, but... Uh, you want to have the opportunity to 
um, to do things that are fun, and, and that's what we focus on is doing things here that are fun. Yeah, and, and you guys are really pretty much have free reign a little bit uh, when it comes to doing your league and uh, being GMs, being owners. Uh, tell us a little bit about like your your background, a little bit deeper into that background. Did you play any baseball as a child, like growing up, or <laughs> at what point, you know, if you didn't play as a young youth, then at what point at level did you get into it if you did play baseball? Yeah, I, I mean, I started, you know, t-ball and, and that sort of thing. Hit my first home run off my brother when I was in Little League. Uh, he's now my business partner, one of the four partners of this team now. So <laughs> I lord that over him every chance I get. There you uh, go. Uh, you know, hit a couple of home runs as a, as a you know, would be senior amateur type baseball. I think you might be familiar with the Pacific International League, uh, that Seattle studs and those teams that play uh, kind of up and down the I-5 corridor. I played up to that level as a senior, um, you know, amateur. I played at the... Uh, the Canadian Championship a few times, and and um, actually, I'm fortunate to say I've been part of seven different nationals uh, tournaments at at that level, and I have five medals from what's known as the Canadian the Can- Baseball Canada Senior Championship, which is basically your men's amateur championship. And uh, twice I was the co- the co-chair or or host chair of the tournament when it was held in Prince George, British Columbia, and I was also the chair of a tournament called the World Baseball Challenge which brought Cuba and Japan and China and Taiwan and Germany, Bahamas, USA, Canada. We had, a, I think, a grand total of eight different teams came to that. And uh, so I've been, been fortunate to have a lot of those chances and opportunities. And I also was a journalist for 20 years. So I worked in, uh, I was a newspaper editor. I was a sports editor of a daily newspaper in Canada for 14 years. And done a little bit of work in uh, television, a little bit of work in radio. Um, was able to be the color commentator for... The Prince George Cougars, who you'd know from Portland, uh, playing the Winterhawks. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, been to, I've been to the the old building there, and I've been to the Rose Garden a number of times. I know it's not the Rose Garden anymore, but covering uh, uh, Western Hockey League games, and and uh, very much enjoyed that part of my career as well. But um, very fortunate to have somebody suggest that I'd be a good guy to call to be a, a GM when the GM role came available in Victoria, and uh, glad to take it on. And it's it's been a fun ride as I go into my sixth season the harbor cats are starting their seventh season i just missed the first year but uh, i'm glad to be a part of uh, what is year number seven here in victoria what was your uh, most challenging experience as a journalist uh, covering professional sports dealing with americans no I, i'm just kidding it's, uh, <laughs> uh you know I, I i got to cover a lot of guys and especially that went on to uh you know i covered doug flutie in the canadian football league when he was up here um i covered a number of nhl guys that, that went on to significant levels uh, being able to interview people like uh, Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr. Uh, I didn't interview Orr when he was playing, but afterwards, uh, you know, it, at some point we're all fans. And, and uh, I mean, you have to be professional when you do it, but it's uh, a little surreal to be interviewing uh, people like a Bobby Orr. I got to interview Sparky Anderson, who was a real hero of mine. I was a Tigers fan growing up and, and uh, uh, Kirby Puckett, Dave Winfield, all the Blue Jays of the 92 and 93 World Series teams. Uh, sorry, 93-94 World Series teams, and no, 92-93, I'm dating myself now. Um, but getting to, to know some of those guys as well, and, and I've I've been able to coach at levels where I've been able to work camps on behalf of the Blue Jays across Canada a little bit, and working with John Olerud, and working with Dwayne Ward, and Roberto Alomar, and a number of guys like that. So it's it's been a fun ride to be able to meet a lot of uh, really neat people, and find out they're just good guys like we are, and, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, um, get to meet more of those guys down the road. Mm. Who's Canada's iconic baseball figure, would you say? 
Uh, Ferguson Jenkins probably there. Larry Walker would be in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joey Votto nowadays for sure. Um, you know, those those are the guys who kind of carry the carry the mantle right now. Living in Victoria, they, you know, Michael Saunders would probably be the most uh, accomplished player who's come out of here. Rich Harden. Um, there's some some guys that have come out of Victoria. Uh, Victoria is a perfect location in terms of access to competition, in terms of climate, um, and and Victoria probably should be producing more ball players than it does. Mm-hmm. But uh, Victoria is uh, is that. So uh, I think you know Ferguson Jenkins being in the Hall of Fame is is uh, sort of a notable, probably the most notable uh, Canadian. If you were to put me on the spot like that. <laughs> Um, do you, would you like, say Canada is not necessarily looked at as like a, a prime spot for baseball and you know just I mean not like say for example like Central America the United States maybe Japan um, various other places do you, do you feel like maybe they're undervalued as far as uh, baseball goes yeah I, I mean we have a smaller population right like California's got more people than the entire country of Canada does so uh, we also have a lot of uh, obviously winter. We we have a lot of Minnesota in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of major leaguers coming out of Minnesota. There's not a lot of uh, major leaguers coming out of North Dakota, um, but there are there are certainly Canadians uh, coming out and, and and having a chance to play at the major league level and and uh, doing a doing a solid job. And and uh, Russell Martin, a, a guy, Eric Gagne, a Cy Young winner, uh, mm-hmm. is names that we can keep on throwing out. Um, but it's uh, you know. Baseball Canada does a really nice job with their junior national program, their development programs. Canada has has uh, won on an international level, like beating the USA at the Pan Am Games, uh, doing some good things at the junior, junior level, and we're producing more and more players going to college baseball from Canada. In fact, this is a stat that will surprise you. There are more Canadians playing college baseball in the United States than there are Canadians playing college hockey in the United States. And it's actually about a two-to-one ratio that Canada, mm-hmm. uh, it's more than a thousand players that are down across the border playing college baseball, and and uh, Canadian players can play. You know, they're no, they're known for their gamerism, they're known for their toughness, they're known, they're known for running like they're skating, um, and, and you know, it's kind of the colloquialisms are kind of the the, the common things. But uh, the one thing about the arms that come out of Canada, they come out of cold weather, which can be a detriment. But usually they come out of less usage than maybe uh, yeah. developed player coming out of a warm weather school where uh warm weather state you know the california's florida's uh you know across to mississippi arizona and new mexico you you end up seeing players that have way more mileage on their arm and uh i'm finding college coaches like to see canadian pitchers because they know that they probably uh have a lot more upside than than uh than maybe where they're getting an american pitcher at sometimes yeah we, we talked about uh, something similar in nature uh, with that that specific uh, element with Dan Siegel who talked about having more rounded individuals that are uh, more active in other sports versus just doing you know baseball year-round because then it gives them the ability to develop other muscles in their body and to strengthen those things so yeah I, I can see I can see how that plays into it um, let me let me ask you a few more questions before we get more into the to the cats I, and I want to talk a little bit more about Canadian baseball um, but let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a little bit, if yep. you don't mind jumping into that. Because, I mean, I used to, yeah, I used to live in Vermont, and I, I went up and I saw the, the Expos before they moved and play, are now playing in Washington. Um, I saw, you know, I saw Vladi play in Montreal. 
And there's going to be a second part to this question involving Montreal. But um, let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And, you know, that he's now playing in Toronto on the professional level in the major leagues for the the Blue Jays. His dad played for Montreal. What does this mean to Canadians to have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. playing in Toronto? Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, focus on that, I think, since he signed just the, the name recognition and wondering if he would become anything close to his dad uh, to becoming the number one prospect in baseball. So it's been it's been interesting to watch. I think every every at-bat of his has been uh, watched and scrutinized pretty closely. What you have to realize about the Toronto Blue Jays is their market is coast-to-coast. It's Atlantic to Pacific. And uh, they're the only team in Major League Baseball that has that kind of market. That doesn't mean that everybody in the market is able to go to a game at, at uh, the Rogers Center. Uh, but the television and the, and the media coverage up here on baseball tends to focus on Blue Jays first and then maybe some regionalization in our area where maybe the Mariners are a piece of it or in Winnipeg you'll see some interest in the Twins or you'll see Southern Ontario you'll see interest down into uh, Detroit and, and and those areas but Vladdy uh, to put it in perspective for you one of the national news network or new uh, sports stations up here our version of ESPN uh, one of our versions of ESPN was uh, showed Vladdy Guerrero's first batting practice on the day he was called up to the major leagues live. They went, they cut live to the Rogers. Oh, yeah. He was knocking it out of the, the, the park that day. Well, he hit four or five. I watched it myself and, you know, he had a, a key hit in the ninth inning, as you know, slashed a, a slashed a, a double down the, uh, down the right field line, the first baseline. But it was definitely a, a thing where uh, it, it's helped to rejuvenate. What's interesting, Ben, this is, it's a great question. When, when the Blue Jays do well, registration in youth baseball across the country in Canada goes up significantly. When the Blue Jays are slumping, they have the last year or two, and they went through some doldrums in the 2000s, uh, you see the, the sport of baseball sort of take a little bit of a slip. And uh, um, so the numbers are very correlated to that uh, that standings issue, I guess, mm-hmm. Blue Jays and how well they're doing. So when, you know, when Joey Bautista, when when Bautista was hitting all the home runs, the 54 one year, yep. you know, getting punched in the chops by Rufinetta Door, all those years when when they were an interesting team, uh, you saw higher numbers in. And it's not like it it, it drops in half, but you'll see a five to ten percent swing maybe in in the numbers for baseball across the country. So everybody's involved in the development of baseball in Canada wants to see the Blue Jays do well, whether you're a Blue Jays fan or not, because they realize it's good for the game and getting more people involved in this great game. Yeah, and so that that brings me to my next question, is with uh, talk of relocation and expansion in Major League Baseball right now, um, what's what's the feel, what's the talk about uh, Montreal uh, getting another team back? Because to me, and I think with some of my other buddies that, that follow baseball really well, is that in some ways we feel like Major League Baseball did rob Montreal of their team, not with saying that the maybe the stadium, Olympic Stadium, is probably not in the best of conditions, but still you can play ball there, work on building another alternate location for a stadium. Uh, but but what's the what's the feel like for Montreal potentially getting another team? And then this goes going to go into, and the reason why I'm asking these questions is this going to go into your, your, your group, but I just want to ask you this real quick. Yeah, and, and it's a constant news item up here. Every time that expansion is mentioned, just like it would be in the in the PDX area, right? It's it's uh, that issue of is it going to finally come to potentially to Portland, or is or uh, will the Expos return to Montreal? And uh, there's a news item this week about a um, a group has has compiled some land in a key spot in in Montreal that they could build a stadium and go to port, towards it. Um, I think there's a belief in Canada that the Expos are more likely to return than 
for a place like Portland or a couple of the other places that are being mentioned to get a team. I think um, the commissioner has been on record of saying uh, that moving out of Montreal was not something that uh, was great for the game in some ways. They'd like to have another game, a team in Canada. I don't think Vancouver is the right spot for it necessarily as well, uh, as close as that is to us and as much as that might anger some people in my area. Um, I just don't know that Vancouver supports uh, some of the sporting teams as well mm -hmm. and corporate that it would need to in order to make it uh, financially viable at that major major league level. Um, you know, obviously Vancouver supports the Canucks, but uh, you know the MLS isn't really supported all that strongly, and the numbers are dwindling on that. The CFL is not doing well. Uh, Montreal is a is has got proximity to a lot of different things that make sense. Um, it's it, you know the Boston, New York, Toronto, all that area that it has proximity to. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And the Eastern Seaboard, I think, is a stronger spot for Major League Baseball in a lot of ways because of the time zones and how that works with television. And those are real issues that PDX has to, mm -hmm. to deal with and necessarily can't deal with because you can't change the time zones. So, yeah. um, but Montreal would, um, I think Montreal has been spooked to the point now where they would realize that, uh, hey, we got a little fright put into us. Uh, if we get a team back, we better get out there and support it. And, uh, and I think that if Montreal were to get a team back, I think that would happen again. I think it would happen strong. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion because I've been talking and I mentioned it on our podcast that I believe that if Montreal does get a team, I think I think in some ways they're more likely than not to get in a team that relocates such as like the, the, the Rays because, you know, we really haven't heard much about the Rays getting a specific location for a new ballpark and so on. And I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think that the commissioner has a specific timeline and he wants to get this done sooner rather than later because there is talk of expansion. So I'm of the opinion that I think Oakland stays where they're at. I think the Rays relocate to Montreal because Montreal got a bad deal. I think Portland and um, Nashville get uh, expansion teams. Okay. That, that's, that's my opinion. I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily argue with that that thought process. I think you thought that through very very deeply to get to that. I know the emotion and, and uh, passion that you guys have for this as well. So, um, you know, there's, there, clearly there are, are stadium issues in Oakland and, and in Tampa, um, and and you know so many others have, have proven that that new stadium will revitalize an area of their of their city, their downtown Soto in Seattle is a fantastic example of it, and so many others, Pittsburgh and. Um, and many others, but it's it's going to be interesting to watch uh, where the money comes to. There's money. There's people who want to get out there and spend the money that mm -hmm. have the uh, you know the the billions of, uh, of of extra cash lying around and want to do this. And and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what it is that determines who gets across that post first. Yeah. In uh, in and this is what brings me into my next part because it's like okay, so you got you got this revitalization of talk of professional baseball in Montreal with Guerrero Jr., the Expos. Now, how does this translate, and do you feel like this, this, this big push, this, this whatever, um, this momentum that's going on, how do you think that's going to impact the Harbor Cats? You know what? We're, we're, we're literally on an island, and I think that, that uh, anytime baseball's in the news, that's a positive thing to us, and um, you know, we look for that. We look forward to, you know, it, it shows in our ticket uh, purchasing. If you look at our graphs that follow that, um, you know, the, the, the rain's kind of got to go away and spring training's got to start and spring training's got to start without rain being, you know, the typical socked in Northwest that we have because our, mm -hmm. our weather's no different than yours. We have the no. same sort of a weather as you have and, and uh, we might be right on the coast a little closer than you are, but 
really whatever the weather is in Portland under Seattle generally is what we're having here. And um, we might get a touch more sunshine because of the some of the currents and how they work around the Olympic Mountains. But uh, that's near the, it's it's when baseball gets going, we find people starting to come through the door and wanting to buy those 10 packs and wanting to buy talk about season tickets and wanting to buy certain games and um we're really dependent on weather dependent being the wrong word but we're really influenced by the weather and how our ticket purchasing goes it may be a day i'm expecting to be big and if it drizzles not so much so it's you know the talk about baseball really does help us anywhere anyone's talking about the game um is is good for us and good for the game and i think we're good for the game and the way people talk about us so it, you know, you, what you're doing and talking about uh, MLB to PDX is is also good for the game, and it gets people thinking about the West Coast. It gets them thinking about Hillsboro. It gets them thinking about Salem Kaiser. It gets mm-hmm. them thinking about uh, you know all the teams that are around that they could go to see, and hopefully people will. Uh, I'd love to see people get more excited about college baseball in the spring, even uh, in your region and really across the country. We, you know, we're a team that averages about 2,400 a game. And for most of our players, when they come here from major college programs, they've never played in front of anywhere near that crowd. Um, you know, there's just not that many. I remember talking to a player who played in Utah my first year here, and I was under the impression they played in front of big crowds. He said, ah, maybe 75, 80 people will see a game. And his first game here, he played in front of 4,000 people. I mean, that was a whole season's worth of people and then some for him. And mm-hmm. he was pretty excited about it. So, you know, that, that kind of thing, it, it, I think it builds. I think it builds organically. And I think that the interest in our in our league, getting our information out more, getting our video out more, we need to be stronger on video as the West Coast League without question. It's an, it's an area that we need to build on and become better at, um, and and it's uh, and embrace more, and 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 that will help to build the game and hopefully help to build more interest in college baseball in those regions. Yeah, uh, you guys play at the Royal Athletic Park, correct? Wilson's Group Stadium at Wilson's Group Stadiums now. Okay. Yeah, there we go. So it was renamed yeah. from Royal Athletic Park to yeah. Wilsonville Stadium. Yeah, so Wilson's Group Stadium is representative of the Wilson's Group of Companies. That is the transportation company provides our busing. is very active in the community. John Wilson's the CEO. Uh, his son Andrew has been a coach for us. It's just a really, really good mix between uh, their company and ours. We do a lot of different uh, promotions and cross uh, cross events together. And and but yeah, we play it. It's a it's a stadium that we considered our sellout to be approximately 2,600 people, uh, because that's the baseball configuration. But we have a spillover, um, we'll call it a football grandstand down the right field line that can fit uh, a lot more people into it than that. And we'll find people using it because it's a, actually a pretty good vantage point. Um, we've had a high crowd of 5,240 was our largest crowd, and that was uh, last year on a fireworks night. And it's magic when it happens. And yeah. the crowds over 5,000, I believe it's four times. And crowds over 4,000 now into the dozens of times, and uh, it's a fun atmosphere when it gets going. And the kind of the place kind of takes care of itself, and the music's tapping, and everybody's having a good time. Yeah, in, in my understanding is is that uh, it can be reconfigured into a soccer pitch, also, yeah. um, like other different sporting events can be. Uh, it can be reconfigured too. Is that correct? Yeah, and it's a it's also a place that's used for festivals in the fall. Uh, there's a major uh, concert series that happens here, a major uh, uh, brewing where big craft brewing brewing area, just like you are in PDX and like Bend is for sure, and they also in our league. And uh, so there's something called Brewery and the Beast. There's also something called Beer Fest, uh, which are very fun and interesting uh, uh, events to be at. And our our Canadian beer actually has alcohol in it, so you got to be careful when you come on up, Ben. So <laughs> it's not Molson, is it? 
No, no, no. You know, <laughs> we, Molson is served in our park, but uh, people also enjoy the craft beer, and that's why we have a new relationship with the Red Arrow Brewing Company. We just announced our, our new beer, just unveiled the can. Uh, it looks yeah. fantastic, and it tastes even better. Uh, well, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to that in just okay. a minute, but I want to get to a little bit of the history. But I do want to get back to that point. Um, so I read a little bit of history on 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 it, and and I came across that Canada's national summer sport was lacrosse at one point. Um, is, is that I mean, are you guys trying to change, or do you think it's been changing from lacrosse to baseball? No, there's a so what it, what it's considered. It's actually something that the, the government has designated hockey as our official. Uh, our official winter sport and lacrosse is our official summer sport. Mm -hmm. And really what that is, especially the lacrosse, is a nod to our First Nations or or Aboriginal heritage here. And uh, it's a big sport within the First Nations. And, and, you know, that's something that that I think our country has done a very good job of is, is... is recognizing some we can do better, but uh, recognizing some of that history, and uh, we continue to do that through lacrosse. But I, I don't think that changes the status of baseball in our country. I think baseball still uh, is a is a uh, sport that is very much front and center. And in the summer months, I mean, uh, there's there's nothing that draws like uh, the Toronto Blue Jays in Canada. They're the number one draw, and, and uh, uh, you know, soccer is a big participation sport. Uh, lacrosse um, numbers are maybe dwindling in terms of. Uh, some participation and some attendance. Uh, hockey's still number one in, in Canada. There's no question about it. And at the NHL level, uh, we still uh, cry over the fact that it's been since 1993 that the Canadian teams won the Stanley Cup. Been so. close. The Canadians really play well too. Sometimes. Yeah, we're just, we're just so polite. We let you guys win. <laughs> if not, you guys just get mad and put tariffs on us. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the Cats were founded in 2013. Uh, by John McLean. Am I saying that last name correct? John McLean. He was the McLean. yeah. He was the guy in the Die Hard movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, did he shoot out any windows and walk across glass? Uh, Nakatomi Plaza. He jumped out the he jumped out the window. No. Yeah. John McLean was a venture capitalist and uh, in the Vancouver area. He he'd worked around the world in banking and uh, he's the guy who hired me as general manager. And in late 2013, he. Uh, he had some, let's say, some challenges with his own personal businesses in other areas, um, and what essentially happened there was uh, uh, he left the team in in a in a spot a little bit. And uh, yeah, I heard it was a little bit of financial issue uh, yeah. that was going on. So you know, I, I was able to manage our way through it. We had a team of people that were working towards it at that point, and uh, then our group stepped forward to take it on. We took on and looked after every bit of the debt. Uh, uh, there was debt within the community. There was debt with the with the league, and and obviously. You know, we we looked at that and and figured out whether or not we could we could make that happen or not, and we did. So, um, I think uh, people were concerned about us there for a period of time, uh, in the kind of the winter 2014 into 2015. Um, but I don't believe anybody's worried about us anymore, and and uh, uh, we're we're excited to put the product on that we do. The 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 thing I'm most proud of through that period of time is that I don't believe our fans could ever tell that we were in any kind of difficulty. Mm-hmm. So we did some things creatively. You don't always solve problems by writing checks. Uh, you can solve them in other ways as well. And uh, um, one of the there's challenges that we have in being here. We have to take a ferry and go through a border every time we go on a road trip. Essentially, outside of Kelowna, we we still take a ferry there, but we don't go the border. Um, we have, you know, your your dollar is uh, you know kicking the living crap out of our dollar right now, and that's a legitimate thing. Every dollar that I bring into my company uh, comes in in Canadian funds, but I'm paying for uh, fuel and and uh, baseballs and league fees and umpires 
and uh, hotel rooms, additional hotel rooms, and uh, meal money and things like that are coming out in U.S. funds. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's something that is, you know, it's been brought up at a board level uh, for discussion. I'd like it to be discussed more, but uh, um, it's certainly something that, uh, I mean, right now it's a 26% hit. And that's uh, uh, when your business can waver by 26% in a key area that uh, uh, that causes you to be, you know, very aware of what's happening with it. And, yeah. Maybe in, in one way it helps out and it makes makes me make sure that I'm on top of those issues. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's certainly not something I can even have a smidgen of control on. Uh, we're, a, you know, we're a flea on the on a very big dog on that one. And, and um, it, it's very it's it's a difficult part of our business in that way. The, the other side of things is that when the teams give their players meal money or pay for hotels up here, they're getting a 26 percent discount. So uh, uh, I think we're good for the league in that way. They actually get some savings when they come on up here. and. Sometimes I'm not sure they're they're aware of that fully, but uh, if if that's our contribution, I guess that's what we get to do. Not only do you get a great view, but you get a discount. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but so you, your brother, and uh, it says Rich Harder. Am Rich. I getting? And then uh, is John Wilson still involved in, oh, yeah. with the program? Yeah. So there's there's four of you that's that correct. now make up the the group who yeah. who own and operate the um, the Harbor Cats. And, you know, you, they've, it's been actually pretty amazing. Um, so, uh, you know, it looks like attendance has, has either gone up each year or has started, you know, has uh, kind of stayed the same as far as, um, you know, just overwhelming support uh, for the area. Uh, you know, you, I think the, was it the first season in 2013, you had a 22 and 32 record. Um, then the next year kind of got a little bit better. Looks like uh, you set the record for most at bats by a whole team and having 1,937 in 2014. That's kind of an interesting feat to, it? to have. We must not have walked very much. No. <laughs> you had 30 home games, and it looks like you drew about 50, just almost 1,600 per night, and you set the uh, first uh, in attendance for the West Coast League that year. Um, and then the following year, you drew almost 50k man fans to 26 home games and almost 2k per night, and you set the season uh, attendance record also for the second year. I think in 2016 you won the North Division uh, in the first half of the year, uh, and then so it's kind of explain to me a little bit about how that works because I you know I'm I'm somebody who's really closely followed Major League Baseball and other things sports and it's like okay. You, you win the division at the towards the end of the year or close to the end of the year when you got a big enough lead. How, why is it that the um, – and this is kind of going off on a little tangent, but why is it that the West Coast League separates it differently where you have a first half and then you have a second half? What, why, why is that the case? Yeah, it's pretty common in, uh, in minor league baseball. Like the Pacific Coast League has that. There's uh, uh, the, the Northwest League, I believe, has that as well. There's quite a few. Um, what that does is allows uh, – and. It, we have to realize that there's a there's a bit of a transience to our lineups. Uh, we have we start off the beginning of the year waiting for some guys to be done school or done their playoffs, and then towards the end of the year, innings limits and injuries and that sort of thing will thin the ranks. So we end up with kind of three different seasons. We get the first about two weeks, mm -hmm. then we get the next five to six weeks, and then we get the last couple of weeks that are kind of different seasons in that way. So what I, I like the first half, second half for a couple of different reasons. Number one is it allows a team uh, to really focus on getting off to a strong start and doing what they can do. And if they don't, 
they have a chance, conversely, to really focus on redoing things for the second half if they have to, uh, reconfiguring, maybe bringing in a couple players in some areas they think they're lacking, and uh, you get to start over again. Like there was a year, uh, a couple of years ago, where Gresham got off to uh, just a, a dreadful, dreadful team at the first half, and uh, they were able to to scramble in the second half by uh, bringing in some players and doing some things where they actually had a shot in the second half, where if it was just the full season, they were out of it after mm-hmm. uh, after all that. You look at that the same thing with us in the 2016 season. We went 40 and 14. That's the best record in league history. Yeah, we were. We started the season by going to Walla Walla and losing three games where we didn't look very good. We then came home and started a 19 game winning streak. We were 0 and 3, and then we were 19 and 3. Like it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Never be able to match those those feelings again. I can't imagine. And we ended up cruising to a 40 and 14 record. Really, for those teams that when we went on that 19 game winning streak, on the 18th game we'd already clinched the first half. We were when we were 19 and 3, nobody was going to catch us for the division title if it was a full season. So it gave every one of those other teams a chance to check up after game 27 and get ready at game 28 and get going on that. And I like it. I like it from a marketing standpoint as well because when we've been able to win the first half, which we've done the one time, we were really able to set up our, our marketing and our and our playoff packages with our fans and educate them on when the games would be and when they should be prepared to be around. And uh, so there's there's that factor is a real strong part to it and uh, really allowed us to to do that. Other teams have been able to take advantage of the same thing. Conversely, 2017, when we got to the league final and lost in the, the very last game in Corvallis, uh, we made the playoffs on the on the not on the last day, but on the on the day after a play-in game by somebody else that they lost and ended up we backed into the playoffs a bit. Um, so we ended up having to scramble with less than 24 hours to sell tickets uh, to a game. Kelowna didn't know where they were going to for that game, and they ended up driving to Victoria. They were on the bus not long after that game was over and drove through the night to be able to get to Victoria. So. Um, yeah, I think the first half, second half uh, serves to, it's great for the fans. I think it's great for the players and that they realize that they have a chance to redeem themselves and get back into the game. And I think it's a leveler of the playing field. And frankly, I will never vote for a format within our league that does not include the first half, second mm-hmm. half. It has to be there for me. Uh, just way too many strengths in what we do and the transience of our lineups and the way that our schedule is so tight. Yeah. So in, you talk about 2016. That was a sounds like the first time that a Victoria-based team um, actually like won like the season, and then went on you know went on to do some great things. So just saying, like it was the first kind of big thing since 1954 for yeah. baseball in Victoria. Yeah. So Victoria's had baseball, but it's been and gone and been and gone and been and gone at various different levels in pro. There's been some independent stuff here. There was something tried one year called the Canadian Baseball League. Didn't even make it through the season, uh, which, I, you know, pro pro sports here in Victoria's had trouble. And, uh, you know, hockey, baseball, they've all had trouble. And um, so what it was notable for us to be the first team since the 50s to be able to make the playoffs and uh, and do that. What's interesting, though, and I want to say this about Victoria, when baseball's been been and gone and been and gone, it was the Golden League that was here, Canadian Baseball League was here. Basically, all the teams that were here were part of leagues that died. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to have a team when you don't have a league to play in. So um, knowing how stable and how solid the West Coast League is, great ownership groups uh, in so many places in our league that have put a lot of money and a lot of investment and time into this, um, it's a a tremendous thing uh, for us to know that we we have so many good people at our board level. And there are people that I really enjoy working with uh, around the league and stay in pretty close contact with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... uh... 
so you look like your guys are trying to do some um, kind of expansion up there too uh, with the league. And I'm going to probably kill the name, but Namano? Nanaimo. Nanaimo, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I miss <laughs> Nanaimo. I think you're trying to expand the league into Nanaimo. Yeah, our, our, so our, our ownership group, the four of us, uh, our company has, uh, has kind of put a stake in the ground. Uh, Nanaimo is actually, so it's, it's an hour's drive north of Victoria, but with the way the league's rules work, it's actually technically within our market. And, but it's a city of about 90,000 people. Victoria is a city of about 375. Uh, we're, we were the biggest city in the league until the Portland uh, uh, moved over from Gresham and, and uh, took up that number. But um, Nanaimo would be, it's got a tremendous, Siroxman Stadium is a tremendous historic stadium. It was opened by Mickey Mantle some almost 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a great old uh it's a great old bone stadium that needs lights and it needs uh, some uh, some new aspects to it, but is very much capable of becoming something that will be a different experience than we have here in Victoria. Um, it would be a tighter confines. It would be you're right on top of things the way it's set up. But we would love to see with us now to 12 teams with Ridgefield coming in. Uh, we have to grow by two teams at a time now if we're going to grow. Uh, I think many around the league are of the opinion that we can get to 14 teams and probably not 16. Uh, but I think we're open to the to mindset if the right markets came in, in form. And I think having worked on the expansion issue uh, with our league, what you really need is you need a great market, you need a great facility, and you need great ownership. And really, it comes down to great ownership. If you don't have great ownership, uh, mm-hmm. you're not great ownership is not going to go into a bad market or a bad facility. You need to have you need to have those pieces, but really the key one is to have great ownership. And we're hoping that our our ownership group uh, will get the opportunity that we can uh, locate another spot and do some uh, finish off some work. Uh, there've been a few different places that have shown up and popped their head out like a gopher and said, "Here we go. We'd be interested in doing this, but what's the details?" And, uh, and then you find out how real they are and how uh, how interested they are as the process goes along. And uh, if we could have a team in Nanaimo within a year, two years, three years, whatever that works out to be. Uh, I believe we could be ready to go for 2020 in Nanaimo at Siroxman Stadium with a great city and uh, a great situation. Yeah. So uh, sounds like, uh, or looks like, based upon my research, that Nick Pavetta, P-I-V-E-T-T-A, who's a Victorian native, uh, was the first cat to reach the major leagues. And some of our previous conversations that we've had, there's been... Uh, I think you said, what, 14 maybe last year or recently that have been drafted into Major League Baseball? Yeah, so last year's draft, there were 14 players, uh, Harbor Cat connections that were drafted, uh, which is an astounding number. I mean, I'm still amazed when I see that number. A couple of years ago, we had 93 players drafted in the Major Leagues in terms of the entire West Coast League. And uh, so far, um, yeah, Nick Pavetta is a great story. He's from Victoria. Um, he threw the first pitch in our franchise's history in their very first game uh, at, at what was then Royal Athletic Park, now Wilson's Group Stadium at Royal Athletic Park. And he is, uh, he's been up to the major leagues. He was considered to be one of the stalwarts of the rotation for uh, the Phillies this year. He got off to a slow start, and they had options on him, so they've sent him back down to get some things figured out. Um, but Nick is a hard-throwing, very good player, Canadian to boot, which really is good for us. We've got his name up in the uh, in the in our rafters, if you will, in our ring of honor, and we have, uh, I believe, it's four guys right now sitting at the AAA level as well. And Alex Degoti, who is our bobblehead this year, he's in the Houston Astros system, uh, kind of a, a Swiss Army knife for them. Play some shortstop, play second, third, can play some outfield. Um, uh, Nathan Lucas is with the Durham Bulls. 
Uh, he's in Tampa Bay's system. He was in a major league trade a couple of years ago with Cleveland, who drafted him out of Sacramento State. And we've got uh, Quinton Torres Costa is in AAA for the Brewers, and he's a lefty, and he's nasty. He's out of Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, throws the ball hard. Come, he came off Tommy John surgery after his freshman year and has really done the work to get himself back and ready to go. And, uh, you know, congratulations to those guys for carrying our mail uh, into that next level. And we're excited because Andrew Vaughn from Cal, who was with us two years ago, is right now slated uh, in most draft prognostications uh, to go uh, in in the top three of the draft, probably third overall. Adley Rutschman is, of course, by everybody from Oregon State, expected to go first overall. Uh, that's one of the best catching prospects we've seen in a long time. Probably back to Joe Maurer and probably better than Joe Maurer at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and then you've got, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. probably slated at number two, the way the draft falls out right now. But we also have Davis Wenzel was with us two years ago uh, out of Baylor. He's the, the his conference player of the year, co-player of the year. Third baseman who is a pro might go first round. And then a shortstop out of uh, Arizona in uh, Cameron Cannon, who was with us in 2016. And uh, he was also drafted by Arizona as a high schooler. And he's back in the draft now after three years at uh, at Arizona, and we're expecting him to go in the top three rounds. And you know, pretty good stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's great to see players who've been on our field uh, here and been on our fields around the West Coast League now making their way in 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 uh, in pro baseball and getting hopefully a chance. Keston Hur is a great story there out of Wenatchee, uh, now with Milwaukee. Stories like that, we just love those stories. Yeah. Well, two more questions for you, Jim. Sure. Uh, first question is: Tell us a little bit about Ryan Keller and what he's doing now, <laughs> the former cat. You gotta put. You gotta form that in the phrase of a in the form of a question, don't you? So okay. So uh, <laughs> Jim, what is Ryan Cat doing? Ryan Kelly Keller doing right now? Uh, what is working for Jeopardy? How's that sound for a question? Two hundred. I'll take Jeopardy for two hundred. Yes. Yes. I, so, so I saw that. I thought that's pretty so, phenomenal. Yeah. So Ryan Keller was totally one of the character, uh, just a dynamic uh, personality guy. Funny, funny class clown intelligent uh bright eyes you can just tell on some guys that they got some some mischief to them right and and in a good way and ryan keller's the funniest part for me is ryan keller hated our mascot he's scared to death of mascots just like people who have clown phobias that's him uh mm-hmm. with the mascot but he he got done his his school he was here for two years had a good first year with us he laughs a little bit about his second year got lit up a little bit when he was here and then uh, got his got his first job out of college. I believe it was his first job out of college. Uh, he got hired on by Jeopardy to go out and and scout talent for the show. And now he's a producer on the show. And uh, and you know Alex Trebek is going through the cancer thing that's going on right now. You got some interesting things with that winner that's been going on for about three years. That guy's won three years. No, not quite. Not quite three years. But it's uh, uh, Ryan is now part of that. And and uh, you know we have guys that go on to to be lawyers. We have guys who go on to med school and doctors and. And that's their future path. We have guys who go to play professional baseball. We have guys that go on to uh, be laborers and work in construction. Ryan Keller's working at Jeopardy. That's a great story. I think yeah, those that's fans. a really good story. Uh, okay, so again, two more questions for you. Um, let's. What about red? Oh, let's talk about red. I got one. I want to talk about the beer now. The ball, Harbor Cat Ballpark Blonde by Red Arrow Brewing Company. Uh, but they're not they're not only selling it at the park, but they're also selling it at local liquor uh, stores. Yes. Um, you got a multi-year agreement. Um, is that the only beer that they're making that you're having on, on draft there no. or in no, cans? I, and actually, we don't do draft. We do cans at the park. Uh, okay. 
it's the the park isn't equipped for the draft but uh we find the cans work better anyways and it's good branding to have the cans out in the in the so red arrow is our primary beer uh supplier we're required to have two under our laws up here the little different laws and so we do have some uh, the molson coors light for those who want to have that product it is available to them uh, but our primary beer vendor is uh is red arrow brewing out of duncan british columbia which is just north of Victoria and just south of Nanaimo, it's halfway in between. So Red Arrow came to us and, and uh, part of a uh, process we went through in the winter and they wanted to brew a, a beer that was branded to us and they wanted to list it for sale in the uh, beer and liquor stores in, in uh, British Columbia. So they came up with the product and we worked on the labeling and we think the can's really sharp, uh, but who doesn't like a good ballpark blonde, right? So. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a lager and it's a very very good beer. I may have tried one or two, um, or three or four, but it's it's a very very good beer. I think people are going to really take to it at the park. But they're also going to have their piggy. Uh, it's called the piggy uh, piggy pale ale, and their Kolsch, which is a, a custom Kolsch, is is a, mm-hmm. a little darker beer that'll be there as well. And then we have Mike's Hard Lemonades and and uh, and the um, the the gin uh, seltzers and things like that that'll be as well. But uh, we're excited about this because it's mm-hmm. it's the first time that uh, a team at our level has taken a beer, not just at the ballpark, but taken in the brand kind of out into the public. So we're going to be doing what we can to encourage, you know, the, the softball teams and the, and, uh, and the hockey teams in the dressing room to be able to uh, be able to put that into their coolers and enjoy that after a game instead of, yeah. you know, maybe one of the, the big guys. And mm-hmm. you know, big guys have a big enough market. Maybe we can uh, tap into a little bit of that ourselves. Yeah, you're talking to the guy that lives in the microbrew capital of the world. I love right, exactly. this microbrew. Exactly. you got some great yeah. spots there. I love I love coming to Portland. There's some yeah. fantastic spots there. Um, so put your West Coast League hat on right now um, and keep your Harbor Cat hat on. So you had mentioned, and, and I did some research on this, and I saw that uh, you know one of the big things that you said is this is not the failure of the team in the area, talking about Victoria, Rather, it was the failure of the league and the league folding is why so many teams from your locality had, had are no longer in existence. What makes the West Coast League stand out and be different than these other leagues? And you know, what are you doing and you know, what's the West Coast League doing to continue to be rever- uh, you know, continue to be there, continue to be you know, available in the near future? Well, I think I think it's the fact that the regionalization here it's it's not a far flung travel league. I think the costs stay under control as much as, you know, we need to be smart in our scheduling and what we do regionalization with our scheduling uh, to keep our travel uh, to a very um, consistent and affordable level for all teams. Uh, I think the fact that this is a college city, the University of Victoria and Camosun College, uh, in particular Royal Roads University. Uh, those those institutions are here. I think people relate to the college level and the fact that junior hockey is big in this area, and it's really the same thing. It's it's in junior hockey, you're generally in your later last year or two of high school into your college aged years when you're playing junior hockey, and I think that equates to this market very well. And I'll speak to Victoria on that itself. Um, pro sports here has just not ever worked. Uh, it's been tried and tried and tried again, and. Um, it, it's just not something that seems to resonate with people in this market. I don't know why, um, but I do know that when the 
when the Golden League Baseball League was here, they had teams in Tijuana, in Maui, and in Edmonton, and down to Chico, California. It's just not feasible. Oh, that's too it, hard. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's just not going to be done. And and uh, they kept on adding teams even more far-flung. I mean, let's add a team in Iceland. Why not, right? So um, the, the travel just hamstrung at the fact that the players were on salaries added to it. We're at a collegiate level here. The players do not get paid. They are here to develop. Uh, they're on NCAA scholarships. They are not able to be paid. Uh, they are here to, to develop in a uh, in a professional atmosphere where they're not worried about their studies or labs or papers, uh, final exams, all those things. They're we're here to worry about baseball. They're here to get, to get in the gym in the mornings. They're here to worry about nutrition. They're here to be a baseball player and do that 100% of the time. And... Uh, uh, the distractions that we all try to take out of it when it comes to college age athletes uh, that we have back in, you know, in every one of our cities, uh, the guys that we get here who come in totally focused are the guys who we find are the ones that are going out and be successful. Uh, maybe not even just in baseball, but in life in general. The guys who are who come into our markets and are distracted by the other opportunities that uh, might present themselves after hours are the guys that we find that trip themselves up and don't end up uh, becoming quite as successful down the road. They don't have that discipline. So when it comes to when it comes to this this market and when it comes to the opportunity for uh, for this market to do a really strong job when it comes to the uh, the marketing of it and getting people into the into the crowd, uh, we find that there's a lot of people here that just really relate to the fact that we'll have a player from UCLA or Mississippi State or Baylor or wherever we've had these big schools named schools. And they find that's really interesting to hear that's announced that, you know, now batting from uh, the University of Arizona, uh, Cameron Cannon or a player to that to that ilk. And they able, able to follow them and they see them here at a level where later on they'll get a chance to uh, to see them hopefully on TV and, and playing at a major league level. Excellent. Well, that ends my questions for, for, for this. But uh, with that said, um, I know you talked about some some interesting things that you have coming up this year. And anything else? So I'm going to throw uh, throw it over to you for any last minute comments and, and anything that you have going on that you'd like to uh, announce uh, on the podcast. Uh, one of the exciting things we're doing this year is we have a partnership with the Victoria Police Department. We're going to be wearing Vic PD mock jerseys for all our Forces Fridays, which is all our for our Friday games. We have four of those this year, uh, so we're going to we're going to support the police and the work that they do in our community. Um, we are giving away a funeral again this year, which we're excited to do. Uh, that that is a, pr a promotion we did last year. It's the last prize you ever have to win, and people are dying to go to that game. It's all the all the puns you can throw out on that, but um, it's an end of life package, and it's an education piece around people making sure they've got their will done, their insurance is up to date and, and current, uh, their the proper next of kin is is ready to be notified if something were to happen, and really taking care of a, of of funding a, uh, a, a the costs of of end of life it's an important part it's it's like a seven thousand dollar package to win on that game in june so that's exciting but really the biggest thing that we're going to do this year is we have announced now that we are adding a uh, a zip line into the ballpark this year we have area beyond the right field fence and we have a 400 foot uh professional zip line that we're running two lines at uh, so people will be racing um and it'll be a new attraction just uh, something we're excited to add to the park. We don't believe it's been done on a full-time basis at baseball before. It'll run all game, every game. It'll cost uh, $15 or $12.50 in advance if you buy your tickets uh, prior to getting to that game. And we're excited to do that because working with Wild Play and TELUS, who have done all the work to get us together on this, uh, it's something that really is, is going to add a, a carnival factor to the games 
And I think something that the people who leave this park will never, ever forget that they saw zip lining happening uh, during a ball game. It's be, again, it's beyond the right field fence, does not interfere with any of the, uh, the gameplay at all. Uh, but yes, the players will certainly notice that there are people zip lining out beyond the right field fence. Are you going to get like a torch and just zip line down with the torch and the flames? I, I, I will do it any which way or uh, shape or form that uh, raises money for one of my charities. I will do it. Absolutely. Excellent. I think anybody can ask me to do it naked, though, and thank you for not. <laughs> Maybe in the Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> or do yeah, they have those yeah, in Canada? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not that either. Yeah. Um, so where can they find uh, where can they find out more information about the Harbor Cats? Uh, do you guys got a Twitter page? You got an internet page? You got Instagram? Where can they where where do you where can they follow more news information? Where can they look you up at? Yeah, we're pretty we're 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 very active on our social media. So you have uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram in particular. We dabble a little bit on Snapchat, not very much, um, but we're very active. We're we're uh, we're it's an exceptionally organic. Uh, number that we have of followers on all of those as well so uh, we think we lead the league in in that category in terms of uh, uh, true followings in in the social media areas and and we're we're excited about what we can put out that way our website is also a good spot but remember when you guys down south of the border who don't know how to spell properly it's harbor with a u in it harbor cats h-a-r harbor Har- no no you're boston now you're talking- <laughs> park you- i did you know i just had to pick on you a little bit i don't have the accent you have the accent it's uh, harbor with a U in it, H-A-R-B-O-U-R-C-A-T-S.com. I won't tell you how many emails that have been directed to me that have never made it to me because they left the U out. Uh, maybe I didn't want those emails anyways. Maybe it was just a Darwin way of uh, uh, Darwinism keeping those emails from coming to me. But uh, uh, harborcats.com, har- at harborcats on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, we're very active. We think we have the best... Uh, um, live broadcast in uh, the West Coast League. Uh, we're excited about some of the things to announce there. Maybe even in minor league baseball. Uh, we're going to have 17 games live broadcast on our local community channel that covers the entire island this year. And some of the games will cover Kelowna's area as well. So Shaw Cable is going to broadcast 17 games. And every single one of our 33 home games planned this year uh, is live streamed with uh, professional graphics and replays and the whole bit it's a pretty good package it's a pay-per-view streamed online i believe it's uh 6.99 a game which is you know going right so um but our certainly our fans in the states the people who are following the players uh from the colleges from down down in your neck of the woods really appreciate being able to watch joey or billy or whoever it is uh be able to do that excellent well, you know, Jim, it's been great to have you on uh, the show. It's been great to do research on the Harbor Cats itself and, and find out more about the history of the Harbor Cats. Talk to you more about the history of baseball in Canada and in Victoria um, and what we got going on. Uh, you know, we're going to have to follow up this with another episode sometime. Maybe once you, once you get down this direction, we can get you in person and uh, talk to you and we get Dave there. But really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, any last final thoughts? No, I appreciate it. We make our first trip into Portland this year, so that'll be interesting. So uh, thank you for what you're doing and, and mentioning the West Coast League. We uh, we appreciate it. I know we do, and, and glad to have somebody come and talk to you when uh, our team is in Portland this year. Yeah, excellent. I uh, really appreciate that. So uh, with that said, um, I'm Ben. And uh, thanks, Jim, for joining us. This is uh, this is it for the, this episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you on the flip side. Take care. Have a great day wherever you are at. Peace out. <laughs>